0: I welcome you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, especially those who are visiting with us this morning. You're welcome back to Kellswater Water again and no strangers to us. And you're all very welcome to God's house. I have a few announcements this morning to make. Um, First of all, just to say that John uh, thanks you all for your um, kindness over the last week since he went into hospital. Uh, I think he's bored stiff, but he's really appreciative of the phone calls and the visits and the wee cards that have been sent up to him, and and the prayers. So uh, John wants me to thank you on behalf of, of, of thank you on behalf of John. Um, he has moved um, on Friday uh, from the Royal to Antrim. So just in case anybody would be minded to go and we'll visit him sometime, he he's moved to to A4. So just bear that in mind. Um. Uh, ever since uh, Robert Caldwell had retired from the uh several months ago, it had been decided back then that we would have an election for deacons. And it was uh, uh, pencilled then that the 17th of March would, would be the date when we would have that actual election. And we intend to proceed with that. I'm going to start this morning on a, on a short series on the deacon, the diaconate. Um, uh, sheets uh, have been put together you'll find them at each door with the names of men who are eligible to the office of, of deacon now I've just put down every uh, eligible man's name I haven't taken into consideration uh, circumstances that might be individual to each person I have just put them all down and I want to read those names out to you for now uh, Mr Peter Cahill Mr Sean Courtney, Mr Harold Craig, Mr Sammy Gaston, Mr Rand Galt, Mr Mark McCrum, Mr William McKee, Mr Norman McKendry, Mr Edwin McNeice, Mr Billy Marks and Mr David Montgomery. So there's 11 names there um, and if you believe that you're not able and obviously there there's some whose circumstances might lend itself to the office but uh, if you believe you're not able to and would not want your name to go forward for that election, um, I've left a pen uh, and a sheet at each of the various entry points or exit points and just put a, just put a line through your name uh, and rule yourself out of the election in due course. Um, I'm expecting that there'll be a few names gone by the end of the day, but we'll just see how that works, works itself out. But I thought that we had to put all the names in who, who were eligible. Um, I've been relieved and in the nick of time as well from the interim moderator role of Balamona. It happened last Friday evening and I couldn't have came at a better time in God's providence and so I'm thank- thankful for that. There are some meetings planned by the uh, Christian Institute and I've left some leaflets out. I didn't leave any up, sometimes forget about upstairs. Uh, I didn't leave any upstairs but there are some meetings. There's one for Friday the 4th 1st of March in the Iron Hall uh, in Belfast, the War of the Worldviews. Uh, And then there's three other meetings across the province uh, the first week of March. But if anybody wants information, there are leaflets downstairs uh, if you want to follow that up. Uh, The midweek meeting this week is at 7.30. And for various reasons... The midweeks going forward will be all 7.30, so we're not going to be alternating the way we have been doing. There's, there's several reasons why we've, we're resorting back to the evening slot. So next Thursday will be the permanent time going forward of 7.30. And next week's uh, uh, pre- uh, meeting will take the form of the pre-communion, because next Sabbath morning we will be observing the sacrament of the Lord's, the Lord's Supper. Sabbath school also, of course, is at the usual time. So I think that that's all of the, all of the announcements in, in the will of God. <coughs> Beloved grace and peace and love from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. The word of the Lord from Galatians chapter 4 And verse 27 reads, For it is written, Rejoice, thou barn that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Amen. Let us worship Almighty God. And add no sorrow with it. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not going to speak in Acts chapter 6, but I am going to read it from Acts chapter 6. I will come back to this, chapter, this passage uh, before it's all over in a few weeks. But for now, let's just read uh, Acts chapter 6 verses 1 to 8. Acts 6 and verse 1. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, Look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, And Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Amen. So the subject then is deacons, and this is the first of I don't know, maybe three, possibly four sermons on the subject. First Corinthians twelve twenty eight reads And God have set some in the church first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings. Helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Helps in there seems to be the poor relation of the list of God's gifts to his church. But it is the church who would be all the poorer if it did not have helps, if it did not have helpers within its bounds. So this morning I want to think this morning, and the next few weeks about accredited helps or accredited helpers that deacons are to a congregation. Eve was given to Adam to be a help mate for him, and likewise the office of deacon is a help mate for the bride of Christ, appointed by him. And this morning I want to focus primarily on the job description of a deacon. The Greek word for deacon is the word diakonos. It's easy enough to work it out from that. Diakonos. It's found 29 times in the New Testament. Only four of which directly relate to the office of a deacon. Only four of which are translated in our English Bibles. After the office of a deacon. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 1. Paul opens his epistle to the Philippians. And he addresses them in these terms. To all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi. With the bishops or the elders. And deacons. So there's a church. The people. The elders. And the deacons. The other three references. Which uh, we find in the New Testament, they're all found in First Timothy, chapter three, verses eight to thirteen, and the uh, the word or the idea of deacon there is set forth uh, as an office, the office of a deacon. In verse ten, uh, let them use the office of a deacon. In verse thirteen, they that have used the office of a deacon, well, and so forth. We'll come to that passage uh, another time. But we're here uh, at the beginning of this process with the purpose of electing uh, church officers. We're here uh, looking for the Lord to gift us so that we might be able to ordain church officers. We're not after a church committee member. We're after officers, ordained church officers. The other 25 times in the New Testament uh, that the word diakonos appears, it's not referring to the office, but rather referring more to uh, the idea of, of, of a servant, or of, of a minister, ministering. To the role rather than the office. So in Matthew 20 verse 26 for example. Jesus says. Whosoever will be great among you. Let him be your diakonos. Let him be your minister. Is how it's translated in our English Bibles. Uh, In John chapter 2. At the wedding feast in Canaan. uh, Mary saith unto the diakonoi." She said unto the servants. Whatsoever he saith unto you. Do it. So all Christians. Are called. To be. diaconoi, To be deacons. Diakonon. They're all called. To serve. If you're called. To Christ. To his church. Everyone's called. To minister. Within a congregation. A uh, congregation. But not all are called to be deacons. All are called to serve. To minister. But not all are called. To be deacons. All are to be helps. To the brethren. Around them in the congregation. By love. Serve one another. It's the idea of deaconing again there. Serve each other. Minister to each other. Galatians 5 verse 13. And. Just on that note, as a little aside, I want to thank everyone who over the last 10 days has stepped up to the plate as far as helping here in Kells water. John took bad suddenly 10 days ago, as you know, and John had operated multiple roles, multiple tasks. Um, and I really want to, I really appreciate uh, that whenever I approached a number of everybody I approached, actually, without exception, that there was a willingness there. Um, Esther, could you do the communion set? Set it, set it out each communion. It's one of John's jobs. Lay the table, put the plates out, all, all that sort of stuff. No problem. No problem. Uh, Ram, can you do the science system? No problem. Maybe he'd never, never done a science system in his life. Problem, No problem. Uh, Mark, could you open up and close morning and evening? That's a big enough responsibility. No problem. Uh, Natasha and Cara, could you count the money? Uh, do the, the, the counting of the offering every week and deposit it into the bank. Before they even put the phone down, I got an answer. No problem. My own wife, would you do the cleaning about the place? Yes, no problem. The same willingness that I also find just a few weeks earlier whenever we approached David about being the presenter. Yes, no problem. Uh, Cooper, you do the numbers. These are all helps. No problem. Uh, Mark, with Tracy's help, no doubt, could you take on the role of treasure or at least train over the next number of months with, with admin to, to eventually take over that role? Yes. That's, that's the way a church should work. And I'm so thankful to God that uh, for the helpers, for the helps that have came forth In the last ten days and the few previous weeks before. And others who have been doing it for years. Whose hands have been to the plough for for a long time. Helps, but more than just helps. I would say indispensable helps. Indispensable. So that brings us now to think about the office of a deacon. Uh, What is the the job description of a deacon? What are they they meant to do? What are they appointed by the church to do? Well, I'll tell you first of all what they're not appointed to do. That's perhaps the best place to start. They're not appointed to rule. They're not appointed to preach. They're not appointed to lead worship. They're not appointed to serve the sacraments. which I mean the office of deacon is not to be confused with the office of the elder. There's a principle at work in life in general and it also applies in the church. The greater uh, assumes the lesser. Uh, The greater church office is the office of elder. And it subsumes the lesser church office of deacon in the sense that elders can engage in and oversee responsibilities which are properly the remit of the deacons. John and I have had to do that for several years now just out of necessity. We didn't have to be ordained to be deacons to do Dakin are old because we've been ordained to be elders. And the greater office assumed the lesser office. But it doesn't work the other way. The lesser doesn't assume the greater. There are no more ruling deacons in the church than there are archdeacons. There's no such thing. The deacon's board is not to act like the board of governors, exercise exercising authority over the spiritual affairs of the church. There ought to be a deacon's board in name, but a Kirk session in practice. We read in the scriptures of ruling elders in the church, but we never read of ruling deacons. A deacons board does not have uh, authority in that sense uh, over the church, but it does have an authority. It has an authority, uh, which is, but authority which is limited to, the, to its calling, to the scope of its calling, which is within the temporal realm. Not the spiritual affairs of the church, but the temporal affairs of the church. So there is a coalition in the church. Not a coalition of government, but a coalition of cooperation. Uh, The elders and the deacons uh, assisting in one another for the holistic care of God's flock. Deacons caring for the body, And elders caring for the souls. Elders ministering to the souls of men. And deacons ministering to the bodies of men. The temporal concerns. I I suppose you could say uh, that there's a general sense in which the church elders and the minister. Look after the first table of the law of God. The first table of the law of God has uh, the that, that spiritual Godward focus, Commandments one to four, that's the broad remit of the elders and minister. While the deacons, in a sense, may be thought of as looking after the second table of the law, with its manward temporal focus. Both offices dovetailing together working together, cooperating together to uh, help the flock of God to keep the two greatest commandments, to love God with all our heart and our neighbor as ourselves. You see what provision God has made for a church, for his people, in a local church setting. He's thought of everything. He's provided officers for both uh, aspects of, of man John uh, Jonathan Edwards says such is the love of the father for his family that he looks upon both the spiritual and physical supplies as matters of great importance and therefore has appointed officers to take care of both elders to the spiritual affairs deacons to the temporal physical affairs specialists you might say Specialists in looking after the soul, the elders, and specialists in looking after the bodies, the deacons. Christ's provision of elders, caring for the souls of his people, and his provision of deacons, caring for the bodies of his people, in a sense mirrors the provision which he himself has made as the mediator. Uh, elders and deacons, in a sense, when they work together, embody the work of Christ as he, as he ministers through the elders to the souls and through the deacons to the bodies. Uh, the two offices together are, are, uh, make up a whole Christ. The, the chief shepherd ministering to his people. So both officers, both offices are needed in any congregation. Now it ought to be apparent that the deacon's role is a heavenly calling to a temporal, physical work. To minister to the physical, temporal needs of the saints. That ought to be obvious. The, the office itself was conceived in Acts chapter 6 with those concerns. I say we'll come back to this in another week, but it was the temporal, bodily needs of the widows in the church in Jerusalem, the Grecian widows in the church in Jerusalem which were being neglected. Physical, bodily needs. The apostles, who were also elders, their office subsumed the office of elder, and the greater subsumed the office of elder and pastor, the, 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 the apostles in Jerusalem said, uh, against this backdrop, as context, it's not reason that we should leave the word of God. It's not reason that we should leave this, the care of the souls of the people and serve tables. <coughs> Deacons were founded in the beginning to serve tables, they are the church waiters, as somebody has said. The office of deacon then is, in the first instance, to excite and to direct the saints to open their hands wide unto the poor and the needy within the church. To excite and to direct in helping the saints to uh, open their hands and their hearts wide onto the poor and the needy in the church. So that first and foremost, that's important to get that across. First, not only, but first and foremost, a deacon's job description could be boiled down to being a ministry of mercy. They are responsible are the deacons to facilitate the church's obligation set down in Deuteronomy 15 verse 7 and 8 where Moses wrote If there be among you a poor man of one of the brethren within any of thy gates in thy land which the Lord thy God giveth thee thou shalt not harden thine heart nor shut thine hand from the poor brother. But thou shalt open thine hand wide unto him. And shall surely lend him sufficient for his need. In that which he wanteth for. So the deacons are to facilitate. Ministering of, of mercy. They are to facilitate that pure and undefied religion before God. Which is to visit widows and orphans in their affliction. First and foremost. Job. If Job was a member of Caleswater congregation, he would be on the list uh, and high up the list. Job said of himself in chapter 29, verse 15 and 16: I was eyes to the blind, and feet was I to the lame. I was a father. To the poor. John Calvin says. It's not only proper. That every private man. In his own behalf. Care for them which are poor. But that there be a public office. And men appointed. To have care of them. That are in necessity. That things may be ordered. Aright. Somebody might reply today and say, but there are no really poor people in the church. Not any longer. It might be argued that the welfare state has done away with that. As far as the church is concerned. It's true, of course, that you and I pay national insurance. And national insurance is a sort of a poor insurance, isn't it? It's a sort of a health insurance. It was set up for the purpose that if and when we fell ill or fell in hard times, that the government would only be giving us back what we've been paying in for years. It's an insurance policy, is our national insurance. And it's right and proper for a church member to access and to receive whatever may be coming from the welfare state. We've been paying into it. We're not receiving charity from them. We've been been investing in it for a lifetime. A, a, A church member should receive welfare because he's been insured by himself. But the invention of the welfare state has not made the office of deacon or the diaconate redundant. It ought not to have done, at least. So uh, to make a play on words, just to make a play on words, the deacons could say, it is not reason that we should leave serving tables for only maintenance work. Serving tables is the first calling. And it ought not to be left behind because the welfare state steps in uh, and so forth. The church is its own mini welfare state with its own civil servants. We call them deacons. And they are to administer uh, to those who are in need. Whose citizenship is above? So church has a role. Besides, Jesus said in Matthew twenty-six, verse eleven: "For ye have the poor always with you, not until Prime Minister Clement Attlee. Always, the poor are with us, not till nineteen forty-eight or whatever it was. And here again, Job." Shows himself to be a candidate deacon. When he says. That that quote I made from Job earlier on. I didn't finish the full verse. He said I was eyes to the blind. And feet was I to the lame. I was a father to the poor. And then this. This is what I draw your attention to. And the cause I knew not. I sought out. The cause I knew not. I sought out. In other words, when there appeared to be no cause, when there appeared to be no poor or needy that Job was aware of, he went in search of them. Because he knew they were out there somewhere. That is exactly what the previous deacons did. Tommy and Robert. So there was no poor orphans in Kellswater congregation. So what did they do? They searched out and they found one in Bolivia and through the church's giving they have been sponsoring Yuan for uh, since he was a wee boy of eight. He's now 18 That'll become the close soon. And then after he moves on there'll be another one. Do you see what they were doing? The cause of those that they did not. No, they sought out. Uh, Tommy and Robert started uh, the Midweek Collection, which, by the weekly generosity of uh, the Midweek people and and also the congregation as well, which is which which is also put into the pot, uh, I don't know how much we have raised over the years since Tommy and Robert started that. Uh, I got a, actually a letter from them in the past week from Canada uh, to say that we had in the past fiscal year we had given something like. Uh, Five and a half thousand dollars. We've been doing that for about seven or eight years now, maybe twenty thousand pounds for winter aid. Winter aid for the church, for the poor, for the cold, for the hungry, brothers and sisters of the church in Eastern Europe. So the Lord provides us with new deacons. If He provides us with new deacons, I would say to them in advance. Lift up your eyes and look on the church fails because they are white with poor and needy. That so we can always help them in some way or other. As somebody has said, the church has gold not to keep but to pay out and to relieve distress. Will the Lord not say, Why are you why have you allowed so many to go without? When you have had when you have gold with which to minister, the Diakonate kind of took a decision some years ago that we would never allow the congregation to go beyond the thirty thousand pound mark in our balance. You need to keep a wee bit back for work, and there's work to be done. It's good to have a wee bit of something to fall back on, but we're we're not a bank. We keep so anything over and above thirty thousand. We try to spread it out, give it out. Another man said, Our God needs neither silver plates nor cups, for he neither eats nor drinks. And then anyway, he went and melted them down and fed them and gave water to the hungry and the thirsty. He practiced what he preached. Now speaking of melted men with melted hearts that we're really after to take up this office. Deacon's first and foremost most are to be men with melted hearts taken up with flesh and bones a head off bricks and mortar a head off fixtures and fittings flesh and bones. If diagonal curve Begins at home. In our context here in Kells Water, the winter aid that the deacons might facilitate might take the form of ensuring that the meeting house is comfortably warm in the winter, that the steps in the pass are safely salted in the winter. That the carpet or the car park is not flooded by leaves blocking the gullies in the winter. You see how broad it can be? It's not all about money. But it's not just winter aid. The deacons would be putting their hand tight. It's summer aid and autumn aid and spring aid. The deacons are called to help the congregation in whatever practical ways fall out before us. Now you may be sitting there, some of you thinking, that's a part-time job. It's not a part-time job, and I'm going to come back to that in due course because there's an important qualification that needs to be added into the job description of a deacon. But as we finish now this morning, the job description of a deacon to summarize is a ministry. Of mercy to the church, Christ, job description is a ministry of mercy to the church. You see who the deacons see here the deacons emulating in that office. His office was one of ministering mercy, so the deacon does too. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to what? To minister. To diakonosei. To minister. And to give his life a ransom. In order to cater for men's flesh and bones just as much as their soul and spirit. To wit, the redemption of our bodies. So at the beginning of the process of seeking to appoint deacons, I would just say, if God calls you, brother, to be a deacon, don't stoop to be a duke. Amen. Let us pray.